the amount of care and kind of diligence that we have to put into this category of dog, I think is, you know, above and beyond what you used to have to do, what you kind of got away with, with your really healthy, you know, four-year-old dog. It's just, you have to really be on the lookout and kind of know what to look out for with this, this group of dogs. Hello, hello, everyone. Hello. <laughs> See, I can't do. I can't say hello. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> I just don't have it in me to say hello like a normal human. But welcome to the With a Dog podcast. <laughs> we are a podcast for the modern dog parent. We interview veterinarians, trainers, products, and game-changing pet parents about how you can get the most out of life with a dog. We're your hosts. I'm Izzy. I'm Carly. Today we are speaking with Dr. Monica Tarantino. She is a veterinarian who focuses on senior dog health. We cover common questions dog parents have, like what is different about senior dog care in comparison to their younger counterparts, how you can start planning for your dog's senior stages of life, and what the top health concerns are for dogs as they age. Um, but I, you know what? We just need to talk about something really quick because Izzy just told me that she's never seen Star Wars. Yeah. Or I feel like I might, like my dad may have made me watch it, but I probably fell asleep. Like I just know they have like light sticks and um, like Darth Vader is Luke's dad. Okay. So at first I thought it was lifesavers because they save your life. They don't. And then I was always too scared to say it because I was scared I was saying it wrong. (laughs) Oh my god. But did you watch that that one new Netflix show, The The Winks? I did. Yeah. Yeah. We need we need an Izzy review cuz I feel like every every TV show you, you know don't what? like. <laughs> I loved it. What? Yeah, I loved it and I don't okay. do sci-fi. I don't do it. That's not sci-fi. That's like fantasy. Okay, fantasy. Yeah. Just stuff that isn't real. Yeah. Although sci-fi Maybe. you could you could argue could be real. Could be. Just not so in this fantasy. world. We don't know. We don't know. That's There's true. witches out there. There's, we don't you know. know. what? There probably is. Have you ever seen that YouTube video of that um, young girl? Oh, my God. It makes me cry every time because it's so creepy. It's a young girl and like probably her mother, but an adult in Russia in like the middle of the snow. And there's this guy like walking his dog and it's a video of him walking his dog just, you know, as every pet parent does, like, look at him bounce around in the snow. Yeah. And then he turns around and sees this woman and this child, and the child is, like, floating in the air. They look around, they're like, <gasps> and then they run away. What? Dude, it's so creepy. Kind of, okay, first of all, what kind of YouTubes are you watching? <laughs> I'm over here, like, watching my little, like, fitness and <laughs> healthy recipes. <laughs> over here. You know what? I do love a good conspiracy. I'm you, not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. Good conspiracy. Yeah. Conspiracy YouTube. I mean, I'm not a tinfoil hat person, but I do love learning about all the different conspiracies. You would think that you would like science fiction then. Anyway. Anyway. This show, <laughs> I feel like I the cheesier the show, the more you like it. It's like so- Selling Sunset. And I think the- that's true. <laughs> but So you said that it made you really frustrated. The show made yes. you frustrated. And I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Okay. So if anyone who hasn't seen this this uh tv show personally i say don't watch it it's like the winks the winks saga on netflix i think it's called fate or something fate that's what i think it's based on books which the books probably would be better 
But they're like young adult books. No, I just wanted to yell at the TV at these teenagers for the decisions that they were making. That's what frustrated me. Yeah, when they all went into the forest. Yeah, they all just... They just make stupid decisions. the boundary. Jeez. Jeez. But you also have to remember that they haven't seen the burnt people in a really, really long time. So... But just... Yeah. Just everything. Every every one of their decisions, I was just like, what are you doing? And I think I love this, it. Is, this shows me how much of an old lady I've become is when I watch like teenage shows and I'm like, what are you doing? I You're love 16. Them. Stop it. <laughs> love it. Maybe when I'm because- siding with the principal, I'm like, <laughs> she's a badass. <laughs> the principal is cool, though. She is. Yeah, I do like her. Yeah. It's nice to see like a strong female character. Yeah. She was yeah. good. It was just... Anyway, anyway, that's that's our um, movie TV review for yeah. this week. Hot we'll take. Have, we'll have some better ones next week. Don't worry. Um, otherwise, how's your life, Izzy? I'm really bored. Hence why I'm watching all of these really bad TV shows. It's why are you bored? Because I'm just so fed up of this whole situation that the whole world is in. Like, I'm just yeah, I'm just over it. I can't even remember what I used to do. Thank you. Yeah. I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, okay, what if like tomorrow everything's open? I I don't think I would do anything. Yeah. Like I I don't think I remember. I mean, maybe go out and sit at a restaurant. But yeah. Other than that, I don't think I remember how to live life outside of my home. The only thing that I would want to do is go and see a movie at the cinema. Mm, Yeah. Movie theater would be great. Cinnabar where I can order a pizza from my seat and yeah. eat it while I'm watching the film. That's the only yeah. place I would want to go to. You know what I would want to do? I'd want to like be able to walk like on a sidewalk and pass someone else without switching to the other side. Or holding your breath. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Without like putting my mask on. Mm. I don't know. Something yeah. something along those lines. Because I feel like I saw someone far away still on the sidewalk that I was walking on and I switched to the other side because that's habit yeah. now. Yeah. And I'm just like, screw this. It's annoying. You know what's really scary? I think the scariest activity you can do post-COVID is bowling. Why? Because, like, touching things? Yeah. I mean, the balls just, like, come out of the thing and you share that, like, section with the other lane. Yeah. So if you don't know the people in the other lane, you're going to have to be like, hey, that's my yellow You know what? You know what? I'm going to up one-up you on that. I think the scariest thing you could do is go to a birthday party where someone blows out their candles <gasps> and then everyone yes. eats that cake oh, actually in theory that's really gross yeah yeah <laughs> now that we know about like spit particles i mean we've always known about them but now that yeah. it's aware mm. to everyone yeah no one's gonna be blowing out candles Mm-mm. you're gonna have electric candles and then you're yeah. just gonna like click your fingers and they turn off or something I think, you know what, that would actually be really great to, like, troll some young kids or something to be like, oh, yeah, you gain magical powers once you turn 30 and then you can snap and then turn the candles. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Um. Cool. So you're bored. Yeah, I'm bored. Bored in the house. Yeah. I just signed up for Insanity Max. Workout. Yeah. App. Thing. Yeah. I'm going to do it on the TV. Guys, both Izzy and I are going to be so fit come summer if we're not. Don't come for us. Don't don't remind us of this moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, play this for us in four months' time. No, we'll, we'll have known that we failed. <laughs> My mantra is going to be, in a year from now, you would have wished you have 
you would have started to started yeah yeah i'm just gonna keep that in my mind keep going and just keep going with it i think it's sean t who does the insanity ones and i mm-hmm. absolutely love him because he's like he refers to himself in the third person and i love it he's like sean t thinks this is great <laughs> And Sean T is going to make you work so hard. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, Sean T. Make me work. <laughs> All right. Well, so I look forward you? to it. Um, I'm, all, I'm like the same. Just I'm trying to to work out, eat well, have the routine, that kind of thing. I think the snow last weekend really, I don't know. It threw kinda, a wrench in it. Yeah. It just it threw a wrench in the plans a little bit. Not mm. that I was that inconvenienced with the snow because – you know, where am I going to go? But it was more, <laughs> it was more just like, I don't know. It was just cold. And I'm, I'm cold. I've been drinking a lot of tea. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just trying to keep warm and walk, going on walks and then coming home and being cold and drinking tea and yeah, working out, eating well, you know, trying to do that. I, oh, I, guys, I finally figured out TikTok. Whoop, whoop. Rather um, you than me. Yeah, it's only been like a year. <laughs> and so, yeah, I finally figured it out. It's been fun. Good. Kind of testing out how those work and becoming more confident in front of the camera. Now you have to teach me how to do it. I'm, I'm going to love that. Guys, Izzy doesn't even, she said this, but she, she doesn't even watch like Instagram stories or you haven't, you didn't until didn't, like recently. Very recently. And even still, it's one of those things where I'm like, I'll be scrolling and then I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I'll watch a story or two. Yeah. I'll flick through and be like, I don't want to, not you, not you, not you. I think that's about it. I've been really actually enjoying our Monday Night Lives. If anyone has. Yes. Yeah. If you guys haven't watched those. Tune in. Um, tune in. Yeah, we save them all on our IGTV on our Instagram as well. So you can go watch them afterwards if you can't do it. But usually Monday night at six o'clock, we've been doing, we've been going live and it's been fun. It has been fun. I was very, very nervous at the beginning, but it's actually not as bad as I thought it was. I was only nervous because I thought none of you were going to turn up. But it turns people out. Watching. Yeah, there's people watching. Yeah. And we're talking back and forth. We're answering questions. It's fun. We're having a few giggles. Yeah. Carly may or may not have a glass of wine next time. Mm, most likely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's about it. That's our life update. Oh, the dogs had their annual vet checks. How did that go? It was very good. good. They're doing really well. Um, Lupin, in his old age, is doing very well, which leads us into this episode. Yes. What did you like the most about this episode? Um. So I think for me, I was just really excited to find this guest in the first place. So Dr. Tarantino, um, she's amazing. She has her own podcast called The Senior Dog Revolution. And I've totally fallen in love with binging that podcast. (laughs) And it's just been really fun to learn more about senior dog care. As you guys know, that was one of my New Year's resolutions was to focus more on Lupin senior care. So I think I was just really happy to talk with her and connect and um i think she lays things out in such a simple way too yeah. she's very clear with what you can do yeah and you basically just took my point oh did i <laughs> <laughs> like she was so clear and everything was so simple to understand but yeah no i would totally agree with that yeah. um i think a lot of vet care or animal care can be so overwhelming at times mm-hmm. and it was just so easily laid out and it was just so nice talking to her. 
And I'm ready to take on Arthur's aging process. He's like two. Yeah. Right? I'm going to, he's nearly three. Well, he's probably around three, somewhere around there. Um, But yeah, I think the more, as you will see in the episode, the more you can do now, the better it's going to be. Yes. I think, um, so for everyone for this episode, you know, no matter what age your dog is, I think it's going to be a very beneficial Mm -hmm. episode just because um, she even kind of quotes a study in here and talks about how dogs age really rapidly as far as like within their body, as far as their DNA within the first year. So even if you have like what you would consider a puppy, technically DNA like aging wise they are actually more around like 30, I think is what she said. So super informational, no matter what age your dog is. So a little bit more about uh, Dr. Monica. Um, She's a veterinarian who works out of Charlotte, and she is a firm believer that senior pets are the most inspiring animals in the world, which is so darn adorable. Mm -hmm. Uh, She hosts her own podcast that we totally recommend listening to. Um, So definitely check that out. Um, She'll give you the link to it at the um, end of the episode. Her episodes are really short and sweet, so they're perfect for your commute if you are doing them right Mm now. Um, And they do give you so much insight into what's what's to come in your dog's life or what you could already be going through. So definitely check out her podcast. Yeah. She's amazing. Let's go. Let's jump into it. Let's jump in. To begin, do you want to just briefly introduce yourself and uh, tell us what you do and how you came to be who you are? Sure. So my name is Monica Tarantino, and I am a small animal veterinarian in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. And I treat mostly dogs and cats than the occasional bunny (laughs) from good measure. I've been a vet for about seven years now practicing here in Charlotte, and I love my job. It's you know, one of the best jobs on the planet. There are some cons that come along with it, but I do love this job. And one of the main focuses that I actually have is a focus on older dogs. So senior dogs in that demographic. And I really fell in love with older dogs when my own dog, Frodo, who was like my sole dog, he actually became a senior and he kind of became older, a little bit slower, just had kind of issues popping up. And it really just bonded me to him even more. And after kind of having a senior dog, that's really when I started falling in love with them. And then, of course, my patients are actually a real passion, um, bring out the passion in me as well. So I actually started really focusing on older dogs several years ago, and decided to really just kind of dive into medicine around geriatric dogs. And I have been practicing medicine for with these older pets for a long time. That's kind of what I focus on mostly in my practice, but not exclusively. Earlier this year, I started a, po- a podcast for senior dogs called Senior Dog Revolution, which Love is, it. yeah, it's yes. a podcast <laughs> focusing on this older demographic. And it's really for pet parents just to talk about kind of the different ailments that senior dogs have because they're such a unique group. And we really haven't treated them like, like that, honestly, for, for the past several decades. So we really um, hone in on what makes them unique and the things that we really need to be doing for this demographic of dog on that podcast. So, yeah. I love that. I think exactly what you said, you know, there haven't been there hasn't been much of a conversation around senior dogs Mm -hmm. recently. If you think about how much time and effort we put into puppies or or just the the amount of resources out there about puppyhood. And there's definitely not the equivalent for senior dogs. So I love that you're you're doing that, giving people the resources. Absolutely. And they're really I mean, just as far as like dogs go. 
for the most part, for a really long time, we've treated them the same way we've treated any other age group of dog. And they're so, so different. They've got such unique challenges that they're dealing with that they really require us to kind of go above and beyond with them. And as pet parents to really be aware and kind of know the issues that they they are dealing with and facing. So so just to start with, basic question, yeah. what is a senior dog? Like what is uh, when is a dog considered senior? That's a really good question. So a lot of it will depend on the breed dog and that own dog's individual genetics. So they become seniors at different ages. So large breed dogs and giant breed dogs in particular, they become senior dogs at a much earlier age than your smaller dogs. And that's just due to metabolism and the way that they age. So the lifespan of a giant breed dog is going to be a lot less than the lifespan of a chihuahua or like a mini poodle. And so they become senior dogs at different ages. There's this old adage that I think everybody's heard of, which is that for every year that a dog ages, it's about the equivalent of seven years for a human. And that's, I think that's a really good kind of like general, like basic way to think about it. Just to kind of quantify that dogs age at a much faster rate than people do. But it doesn't really take into account, of course, the different breeds and the different size dogs and how they all age at different rates. Um, Did you guys hear about the UCSD, the study that came out of University of California, San Diego last year about aging in dogs? No. Compared to people. it It was in the news. It was like, it was pretty big. So it was in the news for a while. But the big statistic that they had, so basically... There are these researchers at UCSD, and they did a study comparing age markers in DNA of dogs versus humans to really assess the differences. Um, and they use the premise that for humans and for actually for all mammals, as we age, we accumulate something called methyl groups on our DNA. And the amount that we accumulate of these methyl groups correlates really well to our age as a person. So like a 50-year-old has more methyl groups than a 25-year-old who has more methyl groups than a 10-year-old, et cetera, et cetera. And then for people, it's also pretty linear. So um, it just goes up in a straight line. So they could test like any one of our DNA and they would probably have a really good idea of about just about how old we are based off these methyl groups. So the researchers at UCSD, they wanted to actually compare this to dogs and say, okay, well, like, you know, we hold heard the old adage about like one year in human years equals seven years for a dog. Is that true? And what they found was really interesting. So it's it's not true at all. <laughs> so interestingly <laughs> enough, for they actually measured um, the blood of Labradors. They did the study with just, just Labrador retrievers. And looking at their DNA markers, they found that dogs really age very, very rapidly right off the bat. So um, based off the methyl markers, when they compared the methyl groups, amount of methyl groups on a one-year-old Labrador, they found that they had the same amount as a 30-year-old human. Whoa. And so huh. they age really rapidly right off in the start. And then it kind of tapers off. They kind of slow, they slowly kind of climb up after that at a slower rate. So that's not really kind of like a one for one. Cause if anyone's ever met like a one-year-old Labrador, you know that <laughs> I think it's, like, especially As, like maturity wise, <laughs> they're not 30. No, yeah. no. <laughs> but it's really interesting to think about what might be happening on the inside of these dogs. And so there's, you know, if you actually look closer to that study too, looking at Labradors, they equated a 60 to 65 year old person to a seven year old Labrador. 
And if you talk to many owners of Labradors at age seven, a lot of them are not thinking about them, these dogs being senior dogs, right? Many of them are still bouncing around like puppies. In fact, Labradors bounce around like puppies until they're like, you know, 14 or 15, honestly. (laughs) Um, But many of them are still bouncing around like puppies. And so I think that that study, what it kind of highlighted was just this idea that dogs really do age at a different different way than we do um, and definitely at a much faster rate than us. And we need to start thinking about them actually becoming seniors at a lot sooner, a lot sooner than I think a lot of us are ready to. So um, Mm. the other thing that, you know, would be really interesting when you kind of think about, you think about that study with Labradors is you're like, all right, well, what would it look like for a dachshund, right? At, you know, that, that a dachshund would age a lot slower than a lab. We talked about how bigger dogs will age faster than smaller dogs. So what would one year look like for a dachshund? Would they be 20 then? You know, what what is the equivalent to a human? So um, that study was really interesting. And it's certainly not. I think when you try to figure out when your dog ages, um, uh, you there's got to be more than just that one study to base it off of. But in general, what I tell people is, you know, giant breed dogs, I want you to start thinking about them as being seniors at about um, age five to six. Mm-hmm. Um, for middle to large breed dogs, it should be between six and eight. And for the smaller breed dogs, I usually say between seven and 10, you need to start thinking about them being senior dogs. So um, that's just a general rule. And I think if you ask any veterinarian, it'll probably be different uh, among them. But that's mm-hmm. kind of the guideline that I actually use. And that's when I start seeing different changes in these dogs when they come into the clinic to see me too. And so what are the um, initial signs of aging? What can people look out for at home? That's a great question. So um, there's a, it, aging looks differently for each different dog, right? So, um, but some really easy things, if you're starting to look at your dog and you are noticing that they seem to be slowing down more, that could be a sign that your dog is aging a little bit. Um, but it could also be a sign of other things. If you are starting to look at your dog and you notice that they are not quite as spry as they used to be, maybe they're sleeping more than they used to. Maybe when they, you know, they used to be able to jump in your car just every single time, just hit, get in that car super easily. And now you see them kind of like trying to position themselves to try to get up. They might be starting to have things like arthritis starting in their joints. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that can give you a clue. If you start noticing little things like that, that they might actually be starting to to kind of become a senior. But I probably would just start using kind of those age like the age kind of general guidelines that I gave you instead, because oftentimes, you know, what is happening on the outside is just not a very good reflection of actually what's happening on the inside of dogs. And we see that every single day at the vet clinic, you know, dogs that walk in, they look normal on the outside, they look bouncy on the outside. And then I do blood work and I find something like kidney disease starting, right? And the owners had no idea that that chronic change was actually happening in their dog at home. So and I think a lot of dogs are extremely stoic or, you know, they're just like so excitable that any changes that they do have, they just don't show it because they're always so happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a really great point, Issy. And and part of, I always laugh because dogs do not show pain the same way that people do. And I will have a lab, I had a lab last year that had a broken leg and was in the hospital wagging its tail. That dog cannot stop wagging its tail. It literally can't. It's hurts and its leg hurts, but it can't stop wagging its tail. And so mm-hmm. I think classically, the, to your point, breeds that are just kind of, or dogs that just have this happy-go-lucky personality, if you have one of those dogs at home, just know it's going to be a lot harder for them to show that they might have something like chronic pain happening behind the surface for them because they're just naturally happy-go-lucky and that can cover up signs of pain even more than 
than normal. And it can be hard to pick up on signs of chronic pain in your dog regardless, um, because they just don't have a really, really great way of communicating it it to us. And so would chronic signs of pain kind of show themselves as what you were saying before with the signs of aging, it would be kind of reluctance to jump up onto the couch or in the car or kind of slowing down on walks and stuff? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's, you know, I think it depends on what the source of chronic pain is. Um, So chronic pain is kind of one of the issues that I talk about the most on social media, on my blog, on the podcast, because it's one of the biggest issues that we see with senior dogs. And it's one of the things that pet parents actually tend to miss the most, even really great pet parents. It's so easy to miss because pets just don't have a really great way of communicating it to us. But a lot of it depends on the source of the chronic pain. So I have this free PDF that you can download if you like go to my website. Um, and it talks about the three most common sources of chronic pain in older dogs. And in the PDF, I, I go through the three most common sources and they, they really are dental disease is a really common source of chronic pain in dogs. They can't tell us about, mm-hmm. um, orthopedic disease. So like their joints, their back, that is definitely a really common, a common source of chronic pain for dogs. And then even things like metabolic or disease or cancer is like the third one that I really see it in. And I give a little bit of information on each of those in that PDF, but those are the three places that I tend to see chronic pain the most. And I think that the signs of pain really de- depend on what is causing that, what is causing that animal to have it. But pain can look like a lot of different things. One of the two of the biggest things that I look for in my pets and in my patients is a change in their appetite and a change in their energy level. And so I always try when I have an owner that comes in with a pet and they're like, you know, I don't know, he's been sleeping more or she's, she's eating, but I don't know if she's eating as well. I always try to quantify Well, what does that mean? Is, is your pet eating 50% of normal, 25% of normal, 75% of normal. So mm-hmm. trying to quantify what it is, cause that can really give you a clue. You know, if your pet's eating 25% less than normal, I would be paying attention to that pet like a hawk. They have no other way to tell you that they might have a rotten tooth, that they might not be feeling really good on the inside. You know, maybe their tummy hurts or something like that is happening. And they have no way to tell you besides these really subtle changes. And so really being attuned into your dog's appetite, their, um, uh, them going outside to go potty knowing what they do and when they do it, um, and their energy level at home and kind of what's the norm for them is really important to, to give you kind of signs of, of chronic pain. I'm so glad you said that because we always joke about how it's just so normal for us to talk to our husbands about like what the dog's stool looks like and oh, <laughs> yeah. like how much of a good boy they were because they ate all of their breakfast and mm-hmm. you know, it's, so I'm glad that you said that because I feel less crazy for us having those like <laughs> daily <not>. conversations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're not. We, um, my fiance is a veterinarian too. And we talk about all those things all the time too. Um, but no, that stuff's really important. So, you know, if understanding whether or not your dog's missing a meal, missing, not wanting his, his biscuit or his cookie that he usually gets or whatever that is. It's all really important. They should be on a really set routine. Routine is one of those things that can really save you with your dog. If you get them on a really good routine, you know what they're supposed to be eating, when they're supposed to be eating it, what they're supposed to be doing. They know what they're supposed to be doing. And that can really save you and picking up on signs of illness or chronic pain if you really have your dog in a good routine. So... I can actually attest to that. I was... I listened to one of your episodes about the... um what it CCD is that it cognitive yeah cognitive dysfunction 
Yes. And so yeah. I was afraid that Lupin was starting to have, you know, doggy dementia in his old age. And, and one of the signs was getting up at night. And I, um, and so he was getting up at night a couple times. It was just, it happened like maybe twice in a week and he wanted to go out. And we have very steep stairs up to our bedroom. And so, you know, I hate going downstairs with him at night. I mean, we turn the lights on and we, I make sure he like stretches beforehand and things because I'm like yeah. so over the top nervous yeah. about it. Um, but it was, we, so I was nervous that he was, had the little doggy dementia. He may still have it. But it was the fact that he was out of his routine. It made him just have to pee in the middle of the night. It hasn't right. happened in a couple months, you know. Yeah. And so, and it's because we got back to a routine. I was like, oh, you know, he got a walk at seven p.m. instead of his usual noon because I was right. busy that day, and it just kind of offset his whole schedule. And I think that that the routine, as you said, it can just tell you so much more about yeah. you know if your dog is actually off. You know, like actually there is something wrong or if it's just it was a one off kind of yeah. situation. So no, absolutely. It's yeah. it's it's so helpful for for pet parents to pick up on, you know, changes in that because they have no way they literally have no way if you can imagine like not being able to talk and tell someone, you know, like, hey, like something hurts in the inside or my tooth hurts. They have no other way to tell you besides subtle changes in their routine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, you know, I love I love that you have them on such a good routine and you notice that. Super helpful. <laughs> so noticed way too much about Lupin. I'm like <laughs> over the top with him. It's ridiculous. He is my little soul dog for sure. Um, yeah. Okay. So earlier you mentioned that you know the senior dogs as a whole are just a whole different group than the quote unquote like normal or adult dog. Um, yeah. How does the care and health for senior dogs differ? from from like just the normal you know yearly vet check or whatever like what what should people be um doing for them yeah yeah so that's a that's a really good question um so senior dogs let me just talk or just take it back just one point about like a couple different ways that senior dogs are different than their younger counterparts and then we'll kind of talk about kind of what we recommend based off of that so there are several different things that make senior dogs different so senior dogs are different because they're at an age where they're more likely to experience chronic pain, which we discussed, can be due to things such as dental disease. It can be due to joint pain. It can be due to cancer or other disease developing in their body. They're also all of a sudden, as soon as they hit the senior dog category, they are now not only prone to just regular disease that every dog's prone to, now they're prone to this entire new category of disease called age-related disease processes, which can be things such as chronic kidney disease, heart disease, cancer, they're this whole new category of diseases that like all of a sudden they have to jump on their back as well. So we've got chronic pain, diseases of, of um, age-related disease processes. And with all of these things going on and understanding that our dogs age at a rate that's much faster than us, we have to we have to start actually being a lot more proactive with them and what we do with them at the veterinarian office. So, so were you going to ask something? Yeah. Yeah. So does that mean the age-related diseases that you mentioned, does that mean they are just significantly more likely to get those diseases like cancer or something like that once they exactly. get this new age threshold? Yeah, exactly. And like, so one of the things, for example, with cancer is that throughout a dog's life, so dogs of any age, the statistics show that about one in four of them are likely to get cancer, right? And that's for a dog of any age. Um, at some point in their life, they one in four of those dogs will get cancer. For senior dogs... It's 50% of them 
are um, over the age of 10 are likely to develop cancer. That is huge. That's a lot. Yeah. So that's something that they're dealing with. And so the screening and the amount of care and kind of diligence that we have to put into this category of dog, I think is, you know, above and beyond what you used to have to do, what you kind of got away with, with your (laughs) really healthy, you know, four-year-old dog. It's just, you have to really be on the lookout and kind of know what to look out for with this, this group of dogs. So two things that we really recommend for this group of dog, um, is going to be one getting annuals done every six months. Um, because things change very rapidly with them. And, you know, I can have a dog that comes in maybe with a little bit of arthritis at age seven. And then fast forward, if the owner doesn't come back for a year at that next visit that I see this dog at age eight, we're going to have a significant progression in arthritis if I didn't have a chance to intervene with it at that six month mark, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of things that for me as a vet that make it really important for me to see these dogs every six months. Um, and so getting in and bring your senior dogs every six months to the veterinarian is really important. That can be really hard. I feel like sometimes there's a little bit of resistance from the pets that have the early seniors because they're like, no, 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 no. I've had this dog since it was a puppy. It's done amazing. It's still sprints around the backyard like a, you know, like a maniac. He's not senior. And the truth is that we need to start having these conversations because fast forward two or three years and your dog's going to have arthritis. Your dog's going to have a rotten tooth that we didn't address. Your dog's going to have these things coming up. And the things that we do now will hopefully slow the progression of those diseases when they come up or allow us to, to detect them earlier. And early intervention is just really important for diseases such as kidney disease heart disease, cancer, all the diseases is really important for them. So that's one thing that you can do is, is the every six month checkup with them. I loved, you said something on your, um, your recent episode and I was, as I told, I'm painting the basement, listening to, to all of your podcasts. <laughs> and, uh, one thing just really stuck with me and it was, if we think about how dogs, you know, the old adage of, as you said, one year of life is actually like seven to them. And if you only give their blood work done once a year, it's like, think of that. It's like almost a decade of their life actually has gone by. And I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, when you think of it in the actual terms like that, it's like, wow, you're actually almost like negligent of it at that point. If you're letting them go that long without certain things when they reach, you know, that senior age. So that's such a good point. I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not my point. It's yeah. Monica's. Well, she's yeah. so yeah. smart. Both of you. It's both of your points. I didn't think about it like that. No, I mean, I'm glad you brought that. I'm glad you said that because that's, it's really true. And, you know, I think about like, if my 60 year old grandma wasn't going to the, the doctor every year to get her blood work. So I go to the doctor every year. I get my blood work done. It's just, you know, it's what I do. I want the same thing for my dogs. Theoretically, if we were doing that, we'd be there every two months. We don't need to be at the vet every two months if we don't have to be. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, I would want, you know, um, like my grandma to be going to get her blood work done every year. I want my senior dog to be going to get their blood work done frequently too. I would never mm-hmm. let 10 years go by without driving her over to the doctor's office and having her get her wellness checkup, you know, every, every single year. So, um, definitely for our senior dogs, that is, that's a, a, a great way to think about it is that every year that goes by is many, many years. So, um, definitely get your blood work done. And that's the next point is that usually I recommend doing annual blood work at least. So I recommend doing blood work, at least wellness blood work, at least once a year, if not twice a year on your senior dogs. And this is just screening blood work that we're talking about. So we're just looking at things such as 
kidney values, liver values. Um, we're screening their electrolytes and their white blood cell and, and red blood cell levels and their platelet levels. And this can be really important for a lot of reasons. It can help us establish a baseline for that pet. So if things start changing later, one of the questions that we often have when a pet first gets sick is we see blood work for the first time. Oh, is this their normal or is this a value, a normal value for them or is it not? Um, cause animals can run at different places and different levels. And if we don't have that baseline blood work, we just don't know. And that can be, you know, information that can, we could have missed a missed opportunity for us to kind of really understand that pet. Um, the other thing is that we can watch trends with them and trends will change as they get older. Sometimes one of the nice things about doing annual blood work with a lot of my patients is that I can see, you know, a kidney value slowly starting to track up and I'll know, okay, we're not going to do anything just yet. But at that six month wellness, I need to check in on that value one more time because at some point it's going to be appropriate for us to start that pet on a special diet that we know will help slow the progression of that kidney disease and when it comes on. And so we know it's kind of inkling towards that. um, And that can be extremely valuable, just that preventative measure and being proactive with that every single year. And I feel I don't have a senior dog, but I feel like... um those trends that you're talking about would help prepare the owners as well. And you yeah. can say it's oh. starting to trend up. You know, it's not, it's fine right now, but we should start thinking about in six months or a year, we may have to switch to this new diet. The owner can right. then take that information and be like, okay, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to manage it? Do mm-hmm. we have another dog in the home that wouldn't be on this diet and right. all of that stuff? It will be less of a shock than to be like, boom, your dog's in yeah. kidney failure. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It can definitely mentally prepare prepare you for for kind of things in the future. I think also some people are in a slight bit of denial. Yeah, I think just like preparing them, like telling them like every six months or, you know, every year, you know, this is changing, that is changing. Maybe maybe that like helps the denial portion of your dog getting yeah. older. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of one of the big things and kind of why, why I'm so glad you guys invited me on here to kind of talk about it. But one of the bigger struggles that I have as a vet is trying to convince people that senior dogs become senior at an earlier age. So there's a lot mm-hmm. of denial that I kind of deal with <laughs> with, with <laughs> it. Um, a lot of resistance to it. You know, people are, I have people that'll just stay, just completely decline coming in every six months. No, we don't need it. Yeah. And that's fine, but you're going to be kicking yourself later on when we miss that bump, that lump that we could have taken off, or we miss that rotten tooth. And now he's had it for who knows how long you know, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of resistance to it. So I, I always try to encourage people. So I think there's actually, you know, if you put a group of senior dogs into a room, you're going to have like professional athletes, like sprinting around the room, you'll have mm-hmm. dogs in their strollers carting around the room, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to have like this, like ridiculous looking group of dogs, because the term senior encompasses so many different types of dogs, your senior dog can be a young senior, which still looks spry and on the outside still looks looks pretty good, but may have we're really monitoring and trying to be prevent uh, trying to focus on prevention with that dog, um, and trying to slow down uh, disease, diseases of age with that dog. Um, so you might have an early senior, and then you're going to have the geriatric that is in you know, hospice care that <laughs> needs, you know, needs to be carried outside to go potty and comes right back in. He lives a happy life, but he's not walking very far down the block. You know, he's going for, in a, for a ride in a stroller or a backpack or something like that. So you can senior dogs, just like the I thought of them, they, they span, there's a huge span, span of presentations for them. And so keeping in mind, I, I, I talk about on the podcast too, 
I really classify senior dogs into three different groups. And I think this helps pet parents kind of visualize it because they're like, no, my dog's not old. And I'm like, well, he's at that age I call. So he's about to get old and we need, you need to start thinking about that now. So basically the three groups that I kind of quantify is going to be the early seniors, which is that group that still looks like, I mean, you might be able to trick them into thinking they're a three or four year old, just the way that they look. Then they have the classic seniors, which are kind of the more classic one. They have the gray starting on their face. You can start to see they're kind of getting old. Maybe they have some of the classic diseases that you'll see in senior dogs. Um, and then you'll have your geriatrics, which are a very different group of dog. And in each of those three different categories of senior, you're focusing on, on different things. So for the early senior that's still running around and bouncing around, you know, like a puppy, well, we need to focus on prevention with that dog. So there are things that we need to be doing with that dog to help hopefully make sure that once they hit these other categories, they're handling them a little bit smoother and a little bit better. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then there's the classic senior, which is the senior that we all think about as kind of old as an older dog. And with that group, I like to focus on, they're usually focusing on both prevention as well as management of diseases. Cause usually they'll have at least something going on. Maybe it's arthritis, maybe it's kidney disease. It's something going on. Maybe it's a heart murmur that came on. So there's something that you're managing. So it's both prevention and management. And then with the third group, the geriatrics, which is like my favorite group, to be honest, they're so interesting. Like they're so <laughs> funny. Um, if you get to a, to a geriatric dog, you've you've made it. Your dog has made it because <laughs> they've probably defeated odds like throughout their life to even get there, to be honest. But with that... <laughs> <laughs> with that with that group of dog, you know, you're focusing mostly on managing disease and then also on quality of life concerns. And that is mm -hmm. the biggest, biggest thing that we're thinking about with those dogs that are in that category. Um, and so, you know, it's really important to start thinking about, about them that way, I think, because that really can help and put for pet parents in their head how to start thinking about, you know, what I can be doing for my dog and what I can work with my veterinarian to give my dog. I love just the the idea of what you kind of just said of setting out the different the different groups because you're right it just it's so easy to be in denial yeah you know about oh he's they're getting a little slower they're getting a little gray in the face but they're fine Let them <laughs> run around and but at that point you could be doing the prevention kind of right. stuff which I think is getting more and more common in the health world in humans more focusing on yeah. preventative diet, things like that, that you do when you're younger. Um, and, but I think it's, I feel like it's just now starting to creep into the canine care world of trying to focus more on preventative mm -hmm. than yeah. just yeah reactive, I guess. But anyway, yeah. so speaking of, what are some action items for people, one, with senior dogs to do as far as their care, like what do you what do you recommend? Like some top things um, for people with senior dogs to do, and then what about preventative measures for people with just adult dogs that they can start doing now to make those right. senior years as good as possible? So for senior dogs, we kind of talked about two things already, which is that twice twice um, annual exams, so that semi annual exam, an exam every six months for your senior dog. And then doing that annual blood work, if not semi-annual blood work, depending on what your veterinarian recommends. The other thing that I suggest for these guys is really getting them on, you know, consistency. Mm -hmm. Consistency is so important to their health. So oftentimes we kind of go through these different phases in our life where we walk our dog outside for 
a bit and then we didn't do it for several months and they gained weight and they went through this, you know, heavy season and then kind of got weight off of them and all this other stuff. So, so, <laughs> so my dog yeah. Albus is on that right now. Okay. Yeah. He's, so he's, gotten a, he's gained a little weight and it's because it's cold here and he is not yeah. as active. Yes. Anyway, and that makes going. it really challenging, you know, with the seasons too. But, but I think consistency in your daily routines is really important. And I encourage people to make sure to really actively think about if they have these three components in their dog's routine. And it's going to be their physical activity. It needs to be every day or five times a week, you know, four to five times a week. Um, mental enrichment in your dog's life is going to be the second one. So having them do puzzles, going through training sessions with them twice a day, they don't have to be super elaborate, but they should be really consistent in their day. Cause that way you're, you're getting, you know, you're encouraging their cognitive, cognitive ability and then quality time with them is the third one. So mm. being consistent with those three things is really important as well as of course, diet and other things too. But as far as a, a setting up a routine with your pet, think about, are you doing these three things with your pet every single day? You know, do you have a routine set up for them so that you are hopefully setting them up to age as gracefully as possible with that stuff? Um, and then, you know, another thing for dogs of any age is going to be keeping them lean. Like we mm. have so many overweight <laughs> <for> dogs like, <laughs> across America and it's, it's a big issue, but you know, um, the data suggests that 60% of dogs are going to have mobility issues. And even having your dog overweight by just a few pounds can have huge impact on their joints, both with just the mechanical force of just having that extra weight that they're carrying around, but also with the inflammation that it can occur in their joints because of it as well. And, um, and so really working hard to keep your dogs lean and not falling into the well, he just, he's just, wa- he's so cute. Like he wants it or daddy's going to give her a cookie every night or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, can be really, really important to their health. Um, so those are some really simple things that you can do for, for older dogs to help keep them, uh, to hopefully help them age as gracefully as possible. Another thing for senior dogs is as a pet parent is starting to get familiar with the signs of chronic pain in them and being aware of it, you know, for, your dogs and for you asked about what to do with like adult dogs that aren't seniors yet, start paying attention to their teeth and to their joints now. And that means that we, you know, we'll have dogs that are two years old that come in with limps and the owners will be like, well, it's just on and off. We don't see, we only saw it, you know, twice in the past four or five months. Well, what, what, what caused it? You know, what is that? If this dog's limping, every now and then now imagine what it's going to be when it's seven, this dog's going to have, it might have something starting now. We need to start working with your veterinarian to see if there's preventative measures we can do, or if there's things, x-rays that we need to take to look further into that. Um, so being aware of that joint issues can accumulate and catch up. So even if it just seems like no big deal now that may end up catching up with that pet. And then as far as teeth goes for dogs, um, in younger demographics and for your seniors, keeping up with their teeth, which means getting those dental cleanings at the veterinarian under anesthesia with those dental x-rays is really important um, because rotten teeth can happen in their mouth and they do happen as they age. They get rotten teeth way faster than we do and they cause pain and they can't tell us. And they'll still eat. You know, one of the amazing things about animals is that they'll still eat with a rotten tooth. They'll eat on the other side of their mouth or on the few teeth in the front that might be okay. Um, but it doesn't mean that that tooth doesn't hurt them. And it doesn't mean that we shouldn't be addressing that. 
And so mm-hmm. keeping up with things, um, with the thinking about your dog's teeth and how to keep them as healthy. Um, and we call it like prophylactic dentals on them is really important for their dental health as they age, as well as their health, of their organs. You know, we have all these studies now that suggest that if you have a really dirty mouth in your pet and in your yourself Mm -hmm. that your organs are affected negatively, right? They can have little infections that can plant on your organs. So it's bad for you internally as well to have a really, you know, dental disease. So teeth and joints are two areas where I think that focusing and if your veterinarian is recommending a dental, do it, you know, (laughs) talk to them about it and do it. A lot of us put it off because we're like, no, 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 you know, um, maybe next year or whatever it is. It's not that it's not that the delaying it one year I think is like the worst thing. It's not. I I think that can happen. It's the delaying it two or three or four years that's really going to catch up with your pet and um and yeah. you know cause problems for them later on. I think well, a lot of people have um a bigger fear of of dentals because they're afraid of the anesthesia risk if it's not yeah. completely necessary. Um is yeah. there like, can you tell us a little bit about safety and anesthesia and like any statistics or yeah. anything about? And with senior dogs yeah. specifically. Yeah. 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 So, um, so anesthesia and pets, it's, it's, I think that with any person and with any pet, there's, you have to remember that there's always a risk with anesthesia, right? So if I was going to go anesthesia, there's a risk for myself. If anyone was going to go anesthesia, including your pet, there's always a risk with it. However, the risk is used generally really low. And for the most part, you know, I will say that my colleagues, like my veterinarians, most of us are not recommending anesthesia in pets that we are worried will have an issue. So the, you know, even in senior dogs, we are part of what we have to do is we have to wisely choose our patients for anesthesia. I think that really helps us actually have a really low rate of complications and issues. Um, but talking to your veterinarian about what you're scared about with the anesthesia is really important. I will tell you this and I'm just going to like knock on wood. Anesthesia is really is pretty safe the way that we do it. Now we've come so far in the past several decades with anesthesia and the drugs that we can use in our pets and the type of monitoring that we have now that anesthesia is a very, in general, has a pretty low risk with it for most healthy pets. The other thing to consider with senior dogs is that anesthesia really shouldn't be based off of age, right? It's mostly based off your pet's health risk. So if you have a fairly healthy pet, the chances of it doing well under anesthesia are pretty, are pretty high. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think there's always this, this fear of, of anesthesia. And that's a really good point. I don't want to say that you have no right to be scared because I think you need to take that into consideration, but just the way that your veterinarian selects the patient is generally they are going to advise you appropriately or recommend the appropriate screening before anesthesia if there is a risk. Um, and I think that it can be helpful if you have a relationship with a veterinarian and an animal hospital that you trust. That's super important to feeling like, you know, you can trust them with your pet um, and understanding and talking to them about all the steps they take with anesthesia can be really helpful too. So um, we do anesthesia every single day, you know, four or five pets a day, if not more in our hospital. So they need, the thing is that they need this in order to stay healthy. So with every decision that you make, it's a, it's a, it's a risk versus benefit um, decision. And you have to remember that and not just let yourself get paralyzed in the fear when you have to be making choices that hopefully will be guaranteed, you know, assuring your pet or, or getting your pet the health that they deserve. 
Right. And I think that's also quite important for the regular blood work too is A, the vet will know if something is off instead of like, oh, I haven't been to the vet in three years and, you know, he needs a dental now. Here's right. some recent blood work. Um, you know, that I think that risk is going to be a lot scarier if you, if you and your vet don't know what's normal to your dog. And, yeah. you know, if you're getting it regularly, you know that he's been healthy for the past, you know, three, four years, however they've however yeah. long they've been alive and yeah um going back to what you were saying as far as the action items um i i'm so happy that you laid those out so easily because i think i i think the quality time you know the mental enrichment and then also physical exercise it's like those are three things that you can definitely do with your dog right. every <laughs> single day um all the listeners we have an episode on dog puzzles with the creator <laughs> of them we have an episode on how to get your dog on a diet and lose weight healthily yep. you know we um yeah. we've talked about dental health with a uh, doggy dentist so we've got you guys we'll, we'll get, maybe we'll get another one on joints or something soon yeah. um just to cover everything but I think that was the end of our questions for you, Good. Monica. Thank yeah. you for fielding all of them. Of course. <laughs> um, well, just, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. If people want to find you and your podcast, what is your info? So they can find me um, on social media. I spend a lot of time on Instagram at senior dog doc. Um, and then my podcast is called senior dog revolution. And you can find that anywhere on Apple, Google, Stitcher, um, Amazon, all the places. And then I also have a Facebook group called the Senior Dog Revolution Pet Parent Facebook group. So if you have an older dog and you're just looking for like a really great community to belong to of other pet parents that might be dealing with the same issues that you're dealing with, come join us there. We're a private group. So we really just, um, it's a really great group where there's a community of people that just really support each other. And we kind of talk about senior dog issues from time to time. And I, I do some Facebook lives there as well for that group. So um, those are places that you guys can find me. Perfect. I'm definitely yeah. going to go join that group um, yeah. since I already binged the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, thank you again. And then for all the listeners, you can find us at With a Dog Podcast on Instagram. I finally figured out how to use TikTok. So <laughs> Yay. we have we have videos <laughs> coming on that. Uh, so that's at With a Dog Podcast as well. And on Facebook, we are our group is I'm With a Dog. And then we'll see yep. you next week. See you Thank next you again, Monica. Thank of you. Of course. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, All guys. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All content on With a Dog Podcast is for informational purposes only and should not replace professional advice, treatment, or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer, or behaviorist.